In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Please be seated. If you've not been to church in a while, or, or maybe have not been in a church that follows the, the lectionary reading cycle, you might hear today's scriptures and wonder, what's going on? Uh, doom and gloom, end of the world, day of the Lord, weeping and gnashing of teeth. Um, am I in the right place? In the church year, we're headed toward the end of the year, which happens next week with the Sunday the church calls Christ the King Sunday. Um, It's a kind of exclamation point to the end of the liturgical, the church year. And then Advent begins a new season as we remember again the prophecies that lead to the incarnation, to God being born in the world as flesh, the celebration of Christmas, and on we go into another cycle of scripture and story and prayer and song. And so things get tumultuous and rocky here near the end, but there is good news in the midst of it all. In every age, uh, people of faith have gotten to those points when they wondered, what's going on in the world? Is God bringing things to an end simply to make all things new? If we watch the news or look around the world, we may wonder if this is such a time. But throughout scripture, Jesus seems to suggest that those times come more often than not. And so the trick, the calling, the the challenge of being a person of faith is to live awake, to resist the temptation simply to go to sleep, to bury our head in the sand, but to be awake and alive to the movement of God. As I think about today's gospel reading, the story we just heard, I think of an old preacher's story that maybe you have heard. It's a tale about two farmers, Bob and Carl, and they meet over the fence one day. And Bob says, well, Carl, how's it going? Have you planted your corn yet for the new year? Carl says, no, I've been reading about this new blight that's affecting corn, so I don't think I'd better do that. Well, Bob asks, how about potatoes? Have you put your potatoes in? Carl shakes his head, no, I don't don't think so. I'm worried about the potato mite. I've been reading about it. Finally, Bob sort of scratches his head and looks at his neighbor, and he says, well, Carl, um, you know, I wonder, if you don't mind my asking, what are you going to plant this year? And Carl pauses for a minute and looks at Bob, and finally he says, you know, this year I don't think I'm going to plant anything. I'm just going to play it safe. There is that option to play it safe. But today's gospel suggests that's not the best option. Today's gospel is about resisting that urge to play it safe. It's, it's about investing. Uh, investing our money, yes, at one level. But it's also, and even more, about investing our energy, about investing our ability, our faith, our whole life. When the gospel translates a word into English that comes out as talent, 
it's talking about a particular sum of money, a kind of currency. Our modern word talent comes from this older talent. Ancient Assyrians and Babylonians and Greeks and Romans all spoke of a talent of gold or a talent of silver, meaning a weight, a measurement of something that would translate into value and money. Um, Scholars don't know exactly how much one talent would have been. Some have suggested maybe $10,000. It was a lot of money, whatever a talent would be. And so this story that Jesus tells is an old one, perhaps older than Jesus himself. Uh, Perhaps it existed in the oral tradition and had, had moved around and was handed on to Jesus, who then tells it again in his own context. Today, when we reflect on a biblical story that speaks of slaves, we in no way normalize the practice of slavery. Rather, instead, we, we should notice the movement of history. We can confess our troubled and spotty history, but also seek to hear God's message for today. In Jesus' day, as with antiquity, slavery was a given. Over time, both Greek and Roman cultures created laws protecting slaves, and both Stoicism and Christianity taught that people are equal, and that over time affected the way people understood slavery. And so in this story... Jesus talks about these servants who are entrusted with money. The first two invest their money and they get results. But did you listen to what happens with the third servant? He goes to the boss and he tries to explain himself. And he says, sir, I knew you to be a hard man, often unfair and rarely understanding. So I was afraid. And so I went and hid the talent in the ground. But look here, here it is, exactly as you gave it to me. I confess to you that it has taken me years to hear this story the way Jesus intends for it to be heard. Growing up, I think every time I heard or read this story, I sided with that third servant. I thought the the third servant was the smartest. He played it safe. He was was conservative. He was cautious. He, He put the talent in the ground and then he produced it again. It's taken me a long time to understand another perspective on this story. Jesus is telling this story and many others in the context of conveying some sense of the kingdom of God. He's trying to help his disciples and help us understand that the the kingdom of God is unfolding right now, right here, all around, and even from within us, if we'll just notice. Look, Jesus says, believe, Jesus says, let faith overcome fear. When you think about it, fear is really at the heart of the problem with this third servant. He's terrified, and so he just buries his money. He's afraid of the boss. We hear that. But I wonder what else he must have been afraid of. I think he was probably afraid of the possibility of other things happening. He was obviously afraid of failure, of losing the money. 
At some level, perhaps he was afraid of losing control of the money that was entrusted to him. Um, Surely he would have been afraid of what others would say if he came in second or third place. On and on, his fears must have gone. And so this poor third servant is, is paralyzed by fear. He's frozen. He can't possibly grow. He can't possibly be a part of anything that is active or moving forward. And so there he is, isolated from all that's going on. Some people have suggested that the word fear can live as a kind of acronym, especially when it's a fear that controls us. Fear can represent false evidence appearing real. I like that because so often that's what my fears are. False evidence appearing real. It's false evidence because it's from the future. It hasn't happened yet. I don't know what will happen, but it appears and feels real. And so it paralyzes and cripples. It's tempting to play it safe. It's tempting to play it safe with all kinds of things. It's tempting to play it safe with our emotions. We don't want to look foolish. If we play it safe in relationships, then we'll never get hurt. We never risk getting hurt. If we play it safe when new opportunities come along, we'll never risk being rejected or risk failing. If we play it safe with God, then maybe we'll never have to change anything about the way we live or the way we talk or the way we treat people or the way we spend money or the way we spend our leisure time. Whenever Jesus spoke, people had the option of playing it safe or risking and moving forward with faith. Scripture tells us about a number of those people who wrestle with those options. Nicodemus, the Roman centurion, St. Thomas, St. Peter, on and on. But the death and resurrection of Jesus transform their faith and deepen it and move them outward. And so the church throughout the ages continues to wrestle with this question. What do we do with the good news of Christ? Do we sit on it? Do we write it down and bind it up in nice leather and place it on just the right table in our homes and never open it? Or do we understand that scripture is living within us and it moves us outward? With the Holy Spirit, we're inspired to continue to risk, continue to share, continue to invest. That servant in the parable must have thought he was breaking even by burying his money in the ground. He avoids risk. He must have felt like he didn't lose anything. But think about depreciation. He did lose value. He lost time. He lost opportunity. He forgot that while that money was buried in the ground, the rest of the world was moving on and changing and growing. And so what he buried was actually decreasing in value the whole time. It's that way when we bury talents as we understand talent. Think of the talent of singing. If one doesn't use it, it goes away. 
If you play golf for a few years and then put your clubs in a closet, your game's going to suffer. Sadly, we all bury a talent or two along the way. Sometimes we do it out of fear. Sometimes we do it out of fatigue. Sometimes maybe we bury a talent because we've been hurt in the past or or made fun of. Or when we expressed a particular desire to develop a talent, it was ridiculed or it went unnoticed or unappreciated. There are all sorts of reasons why we put talents in the ground. But as kingdom people, as people alive to the spirit of Christ who makes all things new, we have the opportunity to create community that supports one another and encourages talents. When we see somebody who's buried a talent or a gift or an ability, there's the opportunity for us to gently hand that person a shovel and suggest they dig it up and uncover it and share the treasure. I can think of all kinds of people who have done just that. The middle-aged woman who began painting when everybody thought she was crazy and became famous for her beauty and her love of art. I think of the child who, who forged ahead doing the musical instrument of his choice, even when people made fun and thought he could never make a living doing that. Just recently, I've been thinking again about Muhammad Yunus, the founder of the Grameen Bank. Uh, When he looked around him at some of the poorest of the poor in Bangladesh, he, he turned fear, another acronym, remember, fear, false evidence appearing real. He, he turned it into fear representing facing everything and recovering. And so Eunice pioneered the practice of micro-lending in which collateral comes in the form of trust. And loans are often tiny but important. Eunice went against the advice of banks and government and everybody he knew, and he created this system of village banks. Now with over 3,000 branches serving more than 90,000 villages, the Grameen Bank affects or collects an average of $1.5 million in weekly installments. Of its borrowers, 97% are women. And 97% also of the loans are paid back. That's a recovery rate much higher than any other banking system. And so micro-lending allows talents to be uncovered and encouraged and grown and multiplied. It's just one example of many. When I think about the people in this room, most of whom I know, some of whom I don't, I can only imagine the hidden talents right here, right now. What if we were to uncover some of those talents? What if we were to dust them off, dig them up, and share them? The monetary ones and the creative ones. When you hear someone near you singing well, why not compliment them and suggest they do more with their voice? If you see someone who really loves the worship that we do, uh, perhaps nudge them a little bit to join the acolytes and help us up here. It's a lot of fun. 
If you notice somebody who enjoys cooking and sharing their food, suggest they help with coffee hour or, or hospitality at Holy Trinity or the Saturday supper every weekend. If someone strikes you as especially sharp and faithful or generous, suggest they stand for vestry or another of the boards or committees at church. Or if you think this church ought to blank, then make it happen. Help us make it happen. We're in a season of stewardship, of of in-gathering, gifts and abilities and time and treasure and talents. And and we need everyone and we need every gift. Uh, We need your money, yes. And so invest it wisely and then share. But we also need all the other things that each of us brings We need our talents and our time and our energies and our dreams. Wherever there may be buried talents, may the Lord show us where to start digging. Wherever there is fear, may it be banished and dispersed. And may God give us the faith always and everywhere to risk and invest wisely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.